0: It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together.
1: This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, here we go. Another edition of Rothman and Ice. Matty Ice joined by another Matt today. My guy, Matty Andrews, filling in for AR. How you feeling today, man? How are you?
2: I'm well, man. It's uh, the mats on Monday. We're happy to be here. Glad to be working with you and, uh, hopefully, uh, plenty to, to get into, but hopefully nothing too terribly crazy will change here since the last hour, but it's been a wild first uh, few hours of this Monday for sure.
1: No doubt, man. I'm loving this. I love when we have almost too much to get into, especially coming off a of weekend and especially with the breaking news just coming down that's directly going to impact Ohio State football. Before we dive into all of that, thanks for joining us, folks. Hope you had a nice weekend. Go follow our guy Maddie Andrews on Twitter right now at OSU. here with us on the fan. Does a whole bunch of good work as well at the IMG Sports Network with football, baseball, and a whole bunch of other things. So follow him on Twitter, now. Right now, we'll have a a ton to get into, but we have to start off the top with what's directly going to affect Ohio State football. And that is the news now that Quinn Ewers, big time recruit, plays the most important position. He is going to rec- reclassify here, and he is going to join this 2021 recruiting class. And I think there is a lot of layers to peel back here. I think there's so much to get into. But I just want to get your knee-jerk reaction to this news. What was your kind of first feeling or your first thought when this came down a few minutes ago?
2: The first thing I thought of was perhaps more organized chaos. Um, yeah. With everything that we've seen in the last month, two months, with NIL, with possible realignment, with conferences, uncertainty, with the Big Ten media days, with the football team and the football season that's on the horizon. And then I, as I've thought more about it in the last, I don't know, half an hour, I guess, you know, you're looking at the most, probably the most impactful offensive recruit this school has ever had. Now he's apparently going to be here and ready to go for camp beginning tomorrow. By the way, the quarterbacks are scheduled to speak tomorrow, so we'll see on all of that. <laughs> but but we got a guy here that we thought we would get to campus, and now that we've got him to campus, and apparently he's not going to be you know staying home or perhaps looking elsewhere. But now that he's here, and everybody's like, now wait, whoa, wait a minute, what what are we doing? What does this do to the depth? Where do we go from here? Who's the starting quarterback? Will he get an opportunity? Will he red shirt? I'm guessing he'll want to play. So uh, just a lot of uncertainty yeah. as we are on the eve of camp beginning for the Buckeyes. Just crazy
1: it is nuts we talk so much about cj stroud probably being the guy we don't know but i think a lot of people are leaning that way but you know the other names jack miller kyle mccord and now you got to add for uh, add a fourth quarterback to this room where the season is right around the corner and the reason why this is such a big story is because of the talent that is quinn Ewers. i mean you can go check out Any of his highlights, and you will be blown away by what this cat can do with his arm. Now, obviously, it's on a high school level, and this is going to be a big jump, but what people think this dude can be in a few years is a guy that could potentially hear his name first called by Roger Goodell when he does leave for the draft, and... There's so much to get into here, but I, I think I what I want to go with, the angle I want to start with, is the why for Quinn Ewers. Why is he making this decision? Is it NIL stuff? Is it getting to the NFL faster? Is it both? I have to lean towards it's probably both because the impact that he'll be able to make in an NIL circuit in a city like we have with a brand being attached to his name like Ohio State it's gonna be through the roof. All of these guys have benefited. I don't wanna say all of them. A lot of guys have benefited so far based off of this new thing that we've have now in college football, and that is NIO. And I'm happy for all of these guys. So I have to wonder that part of his decision is, okay, I, look, I'm good on high school. Let's fast track that. Let's get into college and let me start to make some money off of my name, which I'm not mad at at all. And the other part of this, Maddie, I think is the NFL getting to the league as fast as I possibly can. That has to be part of it, too. So I think when you combine both of those, I think I can understand why he would want to make a decision like this, especially where you can check off all your boxes academically in high school, get all that out of the way, clear things up. And like you said, get the campus as soon as you can here in Columbus, that has to be a driving force. I don't want to speak for him, and that's why I, I said I can't wait to hear from him. But when we do hear from him, I'm sure those questions are going to be brought up. Why did you make this call? What was the specific reason you made this call? And I think with all of this stuff brewing here with the nil i wouldn't be surprised if we hear that as part of his answer
2: no doubt i think it's probably as you said maddie a a mixture and a combination of both and all of those things and uh and i'm just imagining as a 17 year old kid how my mind would be operating with all of this going on it would be absolutely uh just nuts mentally for me um but, but let's not act like Ohio State's in a sky is falling chicken little situation. They've got incredible talent. Mm-hmm. What do they have? Three five star quarterbacks now. If he doesn't roll, they're going to have the, you know, the highest defensive recruit in JTT. They've ever been able to get in here. They're going to have the highest, one of the highest offensive recruits in Quinn Ewers on this team. I don't think that there is, um, Well, And and again, you say this, you'd love to hear the truth and the reality from the coaches. I'm not sure how they're going to speak. Who knows if we'll hear yours tomorrow or when we'll hear him. Uh, But there are are a number of, I would guess, uneasy people in that quarterback room. And, you know, Coach Dennis is in a position here along with Coach Day to where uh, you trust them to make the right decision and they can handle the talent. Coach Day certainly has done that before, but... But they're going to be making a decision here as we get down the line as to who starts, and again, whether that starter is the starter in Week 2 or Week 8 or Week 13, Yeah, where we will be. But that's the future of this program, and to your point about him possibly wanting to jump early and uh, the fastest track to the NFL, how does this look for everybody else in that room, and how patient are they? Because it's going to be awfully real internally to see how some of these guys react to this.
1: I am so glad that you brought up the name Corey Dennis. With him now being the quarterback's coach, and obviously Coach Day is going to be heavily involved with that position. This is what he does. He knows it well, offensive play, calling, quarterback stuff. He absolutely knocks it out of the park. But now for a young coach and coach Dennis, who is officially the guy, how does he react to something like this? How does he manage something like this? Because he hasn't had to do this in his football career as a young guy. Obviously been around the sport, knows it backwards and forwards and probably will go on to do a heck of a job. But this throws in quite the wrinkle for a young head coach now and how you go about it. He's going to do everything he can to get Q Quinn ready to go as quickly as possible. But all of the human stuff that's gonna come into effect now that you mentioned, I think is gonna be massive for this staff to handle and for leaders in this locker room to handle because this becomes the headline story for the next few weeks is how is Quinn Ewers looking in camp? Can he close the gap on C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller or Kyle McCord? Whoever the leader is over there right now, can he close the gap on all of those guys? And the reason why it's going to be such a real conversation, I think, for a lot of people is because this guy is supposed to be that good. He is supposed to be that legit. And when you have a guy like a Quinn, and yours, we saw what a DJ Uyunglele looked like in a, in a one-game sample size for Clemson last year. If that is the type of guy that you're getting, and he steps into this building, he steps into the woody in the next couple days or whatever it's going to be, that's a wake-up call for everybody. It is an absolute wake-up call for the guys in that room. It's an absolute wake-up call for Coach Dennis and Coach Day. Though They know what they're getting, but this, that, this close to the season, man, mm-hmm. is such a big deal because you can't ignore what this guy's going to be able to do. And if he comes in and he starts threading passes to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jeremy Rucker and the team sees that – you can't ignore it. So you got to be real with yourself, you got to be real with your team, and you have to we got to roll with the best guy. Now, I'm not saying he's coming in to take anybody's job, but you can read a lot of the hype around this dude's name, and there there are people out there that think if he can grasp the mental part of this playbook and get to know his teammates over the next couple of weeks, this thing may get very, very interesting.
2: It there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be interesting from the from the moment that he steps foot on campus and maybe he's already here. I, I don't believe that the decision as to who's the quarterback will be Corey Dennis's. But to your point, he'll be yeah. in that room. He'll know these personalities. I think this will be a Ryan Day decision and obviously one that's going to impact this team very, very widely. I am very intrigued to hear from and really get to observe how some of these older receivers, you mentioned Olave Wilson, Ruckert, how these guys are going to interact and how this will all go okay. as this materializes and breaks down. You know, I, and I'm not sitting here saying we're, we're, we're going to have this guy as a starting quarterback. And as mentioned at the start or as we go, but I do believe that. That probably the the best recruit Ohio State's ever had a quarterback is stepping foot on campus right now a year early, and we weren't sure that that would even be the case next year. Right. So this is this is just such a and, and I'm interested too. Do Buckeye fans? Do they feel this is more of a, a little uncertainty, or is this more of a luxury? You know, uh, are we are we thrilled and excited this is happening? He's here, and it's going to happen a year early, or are, or is this a little bit concerning for a team that we expect to be pretty good?
1: I think right now it can be viewed as a luxury, but I think the reality that comes along with a situation like this is that the quarterback room is going to get thin. Because there's going to be a couple of these guys, in my opinion, that that are going to hit the transfer portal, and rightfully so. And I was already there, Maddie, without Quinn Ewers in the storyline here. I, I was saying, hey, C.J. Stroud becomes the guy. I think somebody is going to say, you know what, I don't want to stick around and wait any longer. I want to get out of here and go play at a school to where I know I can start right away and go start to make a name for myself there. And that is totally understandable. And now that we have this wrinkle thrown into the football scenario here I think that's an absolute slam dunk that we're going to get that could be sooner rather than later but eventually I think that day is going to come and now that we have this red shirt rule out there that we all know about you can play within those four games and still be a red shirt and all that like how does the staff handle that because you're trying to you're trying to get a young quarterback going, no matter who it is, no matter how confident you are in a C.J. Stroud or one of these other guys to be the QB1, when you go play Minnesota, when you go play Oregon, that's a different world there. That's a, that's a body shock there when you're facing a different opponent and they're throwing different looks at you and the defenders are running at a different speed than you, what you're used to seeing, you know, seven banks run and break, break down off a route and try to pick your, like your ball off. All those little details of football that we don't really necessarily care about as football fans. Like those things matter. And how that is handled I think is going to be fascinating. And how they bring Quinn Ewers along during the season is going to be a big thing for us to watch. Because if he starts getting reps and the fans start to see flashes of Quinn Ewers in game action and he starts to deliver, the noise is going to be even louder. So that part of it, how they manage the in-season stuff with his redshirt ability with that four-game rule – I think is something that we definitely have to keep our eye on because the noise is going to be loud over the next few weeks, I'm sure based off of what we're going to be talking about with this Buckeye football team. But once we get to week one, how much of Quinn Ewers do we see because the coaches know they have that little pocket of time to use it and still be able to use a red shirt on them if need be.
2: That's exactly right. And and going forward, as you mentioned, you expected perhaps to be a casualty or two from that room this season. Now you add another bullet to that and 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 a four-person rotation or so or how that might figure out into playing time going forward again but the trust here has to lie i think on a guy that's proven with quarterbacks at least in his time here and his time in the league that he and ryan day that he knows what he's doing there uh just just an unbelievable dynamic though thrown into the fire with ewers arrival allegedly uh for perhaps even here already yeah. going into what is the beginning of camp. And uh, I, I don't know that a week or two ago anybody really thought that this was going to be reality until that story broke five, six days ago that perhaps he would come early.
1: Look, man, if you're a Buckeye fan, you don't have much to worry about. You really don't have much to worry about because what's going to happen down the line is a couple of these guys will probably transfer one or two, I'm sure. And in my opinion, the recruiting train is going to continue to roll. It's just going to be a matter of this staff filling those spots, filling the gaps between classes, where they need to fill the gaps between classes because I'm with you and, and you're dead on right with Coach Day at the helm him being such a hands-on quarterback offensive guy and really knowing that stuff backwards and forwards and the development of Coach Dennis, the position's going to be all right. This isn't, hey, we're saying that there isn't talented guys here to work with it's a good problem to have. This is a good problem to have now because you have too much talent on the roster. So whoever the guy is for the next couple of years taking snap on Saturdays, that dude's going to be an absolute baller. I think where the concern may start to come in is what does the depth look like behind those guys because of the domino effect? because of this decision right here from Quinn Ewers. So if you're just hopping in with us, big-time recruit, Quinn Ewers, he is reclassifying. He is going to hop right into this 2021 recruiting class. He is going to get things going ASAP here in the month of August and get right in on this quarterback competition for Ohio State, just a small period of time before we actually start playing some real football. If we get any more updates on this, we will definitely keep you posted along the way when we come back. Quite a little interesting weekend for our Red Legs. We'll touch on it next. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan.
0: A media legend and a spiky shoulder padded ex-linebacker. And their dumb producer, Bishop and Lauren Ice. Weekday mornings from 9 to noon. The Fan. The hardest working show in the business. Or at least at this station in their time slot.
1: This is Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in, Maddie Ice and Maddie Andrews, hanging out with you today. Our guy A and our AR taking off a much-deserved day off. If you're just now hopping in with us, big news on the Ohio State front. Quinn Ewers, he's going to enroll early here at Ohio State, participate in preseason camp, and potentially get out there on the field this season. So. Uh, Big-time domino falling on the Ohio State football front. Anything new comes from that. We will definitely keep you posted. Look, you know what crept up on me, Matty, was look at the Hall of Fame game this week. You get the Cowboys and the Steelers Thursday at 8 p.m. Look. The reason why I bring this up is because, one, I'm a crazy football nut, so I'm excited about any football that we get from now until February that we're locked in. It's football season officially, but this is a big moment, could potentially be a big moment for Dwayne Haskins because this is where he can start building positive momentum in a right direction and potentially showing the Steelers why I could be the guy moving forward. I saw a couple good things about what he's been doing early on in camp, and I get it. It's camp. But I think this is going to be something I can't wait to watch this week when we get to Thursday night is not only is it football and guys getting after it for the first time since Tampa said the trophy, but what does Dwayne Haskins look like? Because obviously this is a new chapter in his football career, and I happen to think he is in a really, really good situation. So I'm hoping that he's locked in, and I'm hoping that when we see him Thursday, if we see him Thursday, that he goes out there and balls out a little bit, man.
2: I agree Maddie, it's it's a good point. Some would argue it's his beyond second chance, but it's it's yeah. definitely another opportunity. It appears that they're setting the table for him very nicely to to have a chance to run with that opportunity and at least be in the mix. Uh and who knows going forward with Ben Roethlisberger's future uh and if Dwayne is able to step up and and, and make um some, certainly some headway there. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a potential. Uh, you mentioned football starting this week. I did read a tweet earlier where it's going to be the first time, uh, obviously where there's a game, but there will be a, a game each week between now and the Super Bowl. So, yeah. so football is back. And, and yeah. I guess that that is, that's something, uh, and I'm not sure if we're exactly going to head this direction, but that something as a Reds fan where if I can get through the summer, my baseball teams kept me occupied. Uh, to, to get to football season, it's always been a good summer.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No, I no doubt. So let's go there. Let's spend a few minutes there on the Reds because this has been a, it's been a, I think a fairly solid season for them. Hasn't been crazy, uh, crazy lows. Hasn't been crazy highs. I think they've been kind of right there in the middle for the most part as a team collectively. The offense has been doing their part night in and night out. It seems to me, but I can't get over. What went down on Saturday because the Reds followed up Saturday's night's loss with a win yesterday. But I, I gotta I gotta get after our guy David Bell just a little bit here because it was such a questionable situation to me to go to Sean Doolittle late in that game Saturday, where you had Dominic Smith coming up and all the numbers are right there smacking your face telling you that this is a guy. That does really well against lefties. And what does he do? He walks off the game. And the only reason why this is one of those situations that I can't really get over just yet is because when you're contending for a spot in the playoffs and you're scratching and clawing for every single dub that you can get, those are the ones that will remember if for some reason we're a game out or a half game out or whatever situation would that it would be to not go in our favor. That's something that I can't get over and still haven't gotten over. But Maddie's zooming out from that. This is a team that's won five of their last seven, six of their last nine, I believe, and I think you're starting to see some of the new guys come in, especially out of the out of the bullpen, that can bring you some confidence. So all is well for the most part, but me being the petty, pessimistic. Reds fan that I am, I'm still not over what I saw Saturday night.
2: Now wait a minute; they're always calling me the pessimistic Reds fan, and I know you to be more of an optimist about this <laughs> Reds team than me. I would encourage you, Matt, to get over Saturday. They won yeah. Sunday. They had a great bounce back. If you were to talk to anybody in that clubhouse, they'd be like, "Saturday? What was Saturday?" Yeah. And I'm I'm with you. I thought there was a mistake by David, and uh, you know it's a little bit tough for me to get on here and be really really harsh on him because he's a friend of mine, and I worked yeah, with I him know. for a year and. Uh, but he made a mistake that day, I believe. They should have yep. won that game. They would have gained a game in both the wild card and mm-hmm. the division. But, but this team, I think, Matt, by now, I think we're, we're learning that it's unlikely they're going to get Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee basically kept a seven game lead all week and the Reds went five and two. You know, sometimes you just get this deep in a year and you just, maybe it's not going to be there. Maybe it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think this team can still get the wild card. I am I'm pleased that they made a couple of these moves to the bullpen. I think they came up about three or four weeks too late. There clearly have been eight to ten, maybe a dozen games where the bullpen has has been responsible largely to this team faltering. But at six games over five hundred that equals your season high, they're still right there. As I said, they've they've got us to football season. I think they've got an opportunity to get the Padres. I'm not sure yeah. If, and the, the the difference this year to me in getting a wild card compared to maybe in years past is that that's the only team ahead of them without them getting to that two spot. They don't have other teams to jump. So it's right in front of them. They're going to have to play well. 19 of their next 20 teams have losing records. The Indians will own exception coming up next Monday. So they're going to have an opportunity against Pittsburgh and Miami to get healthy here. Don't count them out, but gosh darn it, Brandon Beam, you can't print the shirts just
1: yet. You know we like Not to do that. Not just yet. You know Beamer and I like to print the shirts, but we can't do it yet. I'm glad you mentioned the bullpen stuff because I'm loving what I'm seeing from Michael Givens. Like, this has been great. Now, it's a very, very small sample size. I get it. We're only looking at three innings pitched, but the dude's given up one hit, four Ks, and the thing that I like the most is his pitch count in the game so far. 11 in his first outing. 21 in the second, 13 in the third. The dude has been really really efficient coming out of the door and you have him now and you're waiting on some other guys TJ Antone, Lucas Sims guys that were showing that they probably were some of the better options in the bullpen that was bad all year but those two guys probably bought you some confidence you combine those guys if they can get right with a Michael Givens and some of the new faces they also brought in along with Givens, I think that could really really help out this team. Shorten the game because offensively they've shown us, and they showed us again this weekend, that they can probably go toe-to-toe with any offense out there. And as long as that holds up at the back end, I think the Reds can stay in this race. But we can't exit this segment talking Reds without showing some love to, to Kyle Farmer because oh. Vado has soaked up. A lot of the spotlight recently, and rightfully so, with the whole historical stuff he was doing. But over the last 15 days, Kyle Farmer's batting 443. he he's got three home runs, and he's got six RBIs, and he's picking it at shortstop. This dude, probably not a household name at all around Major League Baseball, but what he's done since the All-Star break was over... This dude has been balling, and right now he is locked
2: in. Yeah, believe it or not, that shortstop thing has worked out with him. We, you know, there to start the year, and some would argue, wonder why he's still in the order, but nonetheless playing third. Farmer's been great. Winker was really good, of course. Votto had the run. Schrock with five hits yesterday. They're getting what they need from their lineup and from their defense, and as you said, they've got a number of guys, a couple of starters, in fact, in Mustakas and uh uh the center fielder sinzel, sinzel isn't yeah. rehabbing with louisville which is on now to play in saint paul so yes they've got guys close uh sim started yesterday there in iowa against the i cubs a uh, one inning for him so that back into the bullpen hopefully shoring up but you, you're right farmer's been really good there at that shortstop spot
1: Got to take a break. When we come back, NFL training camp is rolling. We mentioned the Hall of Fame game is just a few days away. We'll talk to Doug Kide from PFF about everything going on in the NFL world after this. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan.
0: Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State Athletics. The Fan, Ohio sports destination one of them survives on almonds and broccoli the other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats you're listening to rothman and
1: ice welcome back in rothman and ice maddie ice and maddie andrews hanging out with you today time for us to head out to the Bryant heating and cooling systems fan guest hotline talk some nfl with our guy doug kide over at pff doug thanks for your time how you doing man Absolutely. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Thank you. We're doing well, man. Thanks Thanks. for asking. Big news for us over the weekend involving the Brownies and Nick Chubb getting a contract extension. When you looked at the numbers and you've had a chance to think about it, do you like how that contract now looks for the Browns and both Nick Chubb?
3: I do. I actually especially like the way that it looks for the Browns. Uh, They got really one of the best running backs in the NFL on a somewhat affordable contract, especially for a guy like Nick Chubb, who has been so good the last couple of years. You know, ranks about sixth overall among running backs in total value, average per year, total guarantees. So I, I like that deal for the Browns. I know that it's a lot to spend $12.5 million or almost that much on a, on a running back, but their offense is so heavily built around Nick Chubb uh, that I think it, it does make a lot of sense to make that deal.
2: Doug, let's. I want to look at. I'm looking at your Twitter uh, from a couple of days ago, and a tie here to Ohio State first round pick of the Raiders in 2020, Damon Arnett, as you tweeted, has been running with the second team in training camp. What can you tell us about that? Buckeye fans may want to hear uh, about kind of what's going on with Damon Arnett and the, and the Raiders.
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of a tricky situation where they've had a lot of first round picks over there with the Raiders over the last couple of years, and they're just not working out that well so far. Uh Damon Arnett is, you know, one of the latest guys there where Raiders brought in the new defensive coordinator and Gus Bradley. Uh they're not quite sure at this point how Damon Arnett is going to fit into that system. And and that's a that's a tough situation when they just spent the nineteenth overall pick on him last year. Uh he was also dealing with uh, you know, some some off field things uh this offseason. Seems like he's doing better in that regard at this point. Uh but right now it does seem like he's, you know, fourth or fifth on that cornerback depth chart, not running with the first team at the same time. Pads haven't come back on for the Raiders yet. It's still early in the process, but I think that you would like to see a first-round pick from one year ago really entrenched as a starter entering year two, and that's not happening right now.
1: Doug Kye from Pro Football Focus joining us here on Rothman and Ice, Doug. Some uh, pretty big injury news, unfortunately, coming down not too long ago with Frank Reich uh, officially announcing that Carson Winch is going to have to need surgery uh, for what now is looking like a foot injury. Looks like he's going to be out from 5 to 12 weeks. Does this change at all, though, how you view the AFC South? Were you very high on the Colts? Did you think that they were the team that people were going to be chasing in the AFC South, or do you view it as maybe teams still chasing what Tennessee is going to be thrown out there
3: i personally think that tennessee probably would have been the front runner even with carson Wentz healthy i think that at this point they've kind of distanced themselves a little bit more from the colts because you probably are going to see jacob eason who's a 2020 fourth round pick uh coming in there to start for the colts i feel like the colts were so built to win this season outside of the quarterback position and then they took two Pretty big risks this offseason, not only signing or trading for Carson Wentz, who's been often injured during his NFL career, one of the NFL's worst starters last season, but then they also let Jacoby Brissett walk in free agency, and they've got Jacob Easton, who's completely unproven. He's never even taken a preseason snap as their backup. And now this is already coming back to bite them with Wentz, as you said, 5-12 to week timeline. That's a wide swath of time right there. And you probably would see, unless they make some sort of Crazy deal for a quarterback, which would probably also be ill advised to use even more resources on that position. You're probably seeing Easton as the starter there until Wentz comes back.
2: Doug, the Pro Football Focus offensive line rankings re- recently came out. And uh, as a Bengals fan, I, I can kind of look at this and realize what's coming up and what we've had in the past. You've got the, the Football Focus has them ranked 25th. But as a Browns fan and a supporter here in, in Columbus, they're number one at the list in terms of the offensive line. Can you can you kind of break those two down? And and I guess from a Bengals perspective, this is kind of what we've been used to, unfortunately.
3: For sure. I mean, yeah, the the Browns number one there, and it's they've got a really solid line across the board, and they've also got some upside there, just with with Jedrick Wills still you know developing as an NFL player. It seems like. They could even be significantly better this season uh, if Wills does take that next step forward. And then, you know, as we mentioned with Nick Chubb, it's really smart how they are building that team with Chubb, Kareem Hunt, the offensive line. Everything's kind of moving in sync where you see where that offense is going. Uh, You know, with the Bengals, it's another team that, you know, could have some upside because of Jonah Williams in there, but it just... Really not as solid of a group overall. A guy like Xavier Suofilo has been around, kicking around the NFL for quite a while. Uh, you know, Riley Reef is in there at right tackle. He's been a somewhat consistent NFL player. But they just don't really have the, the star power there on their offensive line that a team like the Browns or a team like, you know, some of the other teams topping uh, that, that offensive line ranking have. I think it could be a solid group, um, but they are going to have to see some improvement overall.
1: You know, despite the loss in the Super Bowl, a lot of teams are still chasing Kansas City on the AFC side of things. And I think a lot of the buzz that I've been hearing this offseason is that people may think that the Bills are the team closest to doing that. So I wanted to ask you about the Bills, but not the offense, Doug, because I think their offense is going to be really good, again, with everything they have. But I wanted to get your feel on their defense and your confidence that this Bill's defense can maybe be a better unit than what we saw a year ago to really round that team into a complete form there.
3: Yeah, I think that they do. I think that they've got some young players in there who could still take some steps forward. I think that that's really key about making their defense you know, getting them into that next upper echelon. A guy like Ed Oliver at defensive tackle, I think that he's a guy who could make, take another step forward. Tremaine Edmonds, I know that he's regarded as one of the better linebackers in the NFL, but he still has some holes in his game that he could fix. So even if you see that from a few of those guys, then I think that they could really take that next step forward. Another guy like Tredavious White, he wasn't maybe quite as good in 2020 as he was in 2019. Uh, so All I think it will take is just some minor improvements there on their defense uh, for them to take that next step forward. And you mentioned the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are kind of an interesting team this year where obviously they're still going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. Um, They really improved their offensive line this offseason. I do think that there might still be some issues. I know this sounds crazy because they got Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, but just the depth of their offensive weapons, they didn't do anything to improve that. And we actually saw the depth of those offensive weapons become a little bit of an issue in the Super Bowl. So I'm interested to see how some of those other wide receivers and tight ends step up into number two or three roles behind Hill and Kelsey.
2: Doug, final one from me with Urban Meyer down in Jacksonville. Now a lot of folks in this area want to know kind of the 30,000-foot view of the Jaguars. What do you see? What do you expect? What intrigues you as as they get set to uh, get into their first week in the preseason?
3: Definitely a, a team on the rise, and uh, clearly that is because of Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. And uh, this is—it's it, it, almost kind of a cop out to say this, but their success will really stem around how Trevor Lawrence performs this season. If he's able to play like a you know as well as Justin Herbert did last season, or as well as some of these rookies that we've seen in the past, then I think that they could be competitive uh, in the AFC South. I'm not sure if they're going to be you know winning the division or anything like that. Uh, But that's another team that we could still see take a significant step forward. Uh, They also have some other intriguing players on their roster. DJ Chark's been a pretty good wide receiver for them over the last few years. LaVisca Chenault uh, was a high draft pick last season who could take another step forward. So I think that they're moving in the right direction at this point. It really depends on how Urban Meyer performs as NFL head coach. And, you know, that's just something that we have to all kind of Wait and see how that goes for them. Uh, But I do think that they've got some talent on that roster to work around.
1: A Last one here, man. We'll get you out of here on this one. A division that always gets a lot of attention, and rightfully so, because of the Dallas Cowboys is the NFC East. But I want to pose this question to you. Who, In your opinion, who is the most complete team in the NFC East this season?
3: Um, I I would go with the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are are the team to beat in there. Um, But it's an interesting division because I feel like everyone's pretty close. I think that you know the Washington Football Team—they were in the playoffs last season. I think that they're they're a team that could be on the rise there. The Giants—they're going to be a little bit more competitive there with Joe Judge uh, asserting himself as a head coach. Philadelphia Eagles—I know—are projected to be you know finishing fourth in that division, but. You now Jalen Hurts was pretty good last season. If he can take a step forward this season with Nick Sirianni uh, over there, I think they could be competitive as well. But just getting Dak Prescott back in there for Dallas, I think that's huge. I think that they're the team to be in that division.
1: He's Doug Kide, NFL reporter over at PFF. Really good stuff, Doug. Thanks so much for your time, man, on a Monday. Appreciate it. Absolutely appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Doug. And like I said, Maddie, it is Monday. So you know what we do <laughs> in the last segment I do. of the first hour on Monday. It's time to party like a Roth after this. Rothman and Ice right here on the fan.
0: One guy is fat, the other is fatter, and both are kind of stupid. Pretty much sums up the whole show. Uh-huh. Common Man and Tebow. Oh! Weekdays from three to six. The fan. Let's all gather into the Kiki. It's time to party like a Roth star.
1: All right, Matty Andrews, let's roll. I think this is your first, is this your first time having a do Party Like a Raw Star? It is. Okay, it sure well, is. Just yes. sit back. Hope I, you know, hope I can handle it. You know, you're good, man. Just sit back. <laughs> let the beat take over your soul and enjoy the ride here for the next few minutes. My first candidate for Party Like a Raw Star. Last week, we had so many big, impactful moves being made around the world of Major League Baseball. And one of them paid off. Big time this weekend. Freshly faced, freshly shaven. Anthony Rizzo, five for nine this weekend, hit a home run in Friday's game and Saturday's game. The second one was an absolute moonshot down there in Miami. And the Yankees pull out the brooms on the Marlins. And this is a moment to where they have to get going. They're chasing the Rays. They're chasing the Red Sox. They're probably locking on that wild card race just like you and I are for our Red Legs on the NL side of things. But we know what this guy can do, unfortunately as Reds fans watching him for years within the NL Central. But to see this guy right away make a tremendous impact for the pinstripes in a moment to where they absolutely needed it, I thought it was pretty cool to see. The teammates were loving him. ton of Yankees fans down there in the building we're, we're loving it as well and i'm sure that was a very very bittersweet thing for Derek jeter who's watching his old squad come into his new building and stomp out his new team anthony rizzo five for nine two home runs help the yankees get a sweep over the miami marlins mr rizzo i see you you're partying like a rock star,
2: maddie you're gonna go you're gonna go against your red legs in this opening opening round of this the, the Roth star of the week, the weekend, yeah. the man that probably parted in New York Saturday night and perhaps even with a day off Sunday and a day off today, and perhaps he's not parting. But Joseph Daniel Votto, hmm. let's not forget about your guy, Joey Votto, yeah. who at the young mid-30s age is, is uh, swatting him left and right. Seven straight games, New Reds franchise record with a home run, totaling nine home runs, and Saturday, he missed on a line drive laser off the the yellow tape on the wall in right center of going eight straight, which would have been just the fourth player in baseball history to do it, but seven in a row it ended. Joey Votto comes home, the Reds right there, your red legs, your guy, parting like a Roth star this week.
1: I like it. I absolutely like it. And he was just named the July player of the month. And his teammate, the young pup who shares the right side of the infield with him, Jonathan India, was just named NL rookie of the month. Both those dudes have been locked in. And it's an understatement to say that about Joey Votto with the historic stuff that you just laid out. But jo- Jonathan India as yep, well, man. Just good. stepping up right, hops into that leadoff spot, and he has produced. I remember watching him uh, in college, I believe at the University of Florida, playing third base as a guy. that Okay, that dude's going to be a stud. Then our red legs drafted him, and there was excitement about that. So to see him paying off on the hype right now, and it seems that he's got a very bright future, is fun to see. My second candidate for Party Like a Raw Star this week, is Mr. Kawhi Leonard. Aha, ha, ha. This dude, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but what's happening to Kawhi Leonard or what Kawhi Leonard or what dreams are made of? This guy opted out. Of his contract would make $36 million, decline that player option for the upcoming year, which is now going to make him an unrestricted free agent. But the reason why this guy is my party like a raw star candidate this week is because we may not see Kawhi Leonard until 2023. But what's going to happen, this guy, regardless of that, is going to get a big big contract. And I think that's a beautiful place to be. He's like la- he's laid the groundwork in his career. He's been a champion. He has done it all as far as individual accolades go and team accolades go. And when you check off those boxes or at that point in your career, you get the benefit of the doubt. We saw this happen with Kevin Durant when he came off the injury and people were saying our team's going to be scared to lock up KD not at all you're a top 10 player in the world you are going to make hundreds of hundreds of million dollars regardless of when you step on the court again so I'm happy for the guy Kawhi Leonard getting his money chilling out for a year partying like a raw star not mad at it.
2: no not at all with that money you could party awfully and <laughs> awfully enjoyably uh and I'm not sure how much money he made but I know he got a, a medal so my next candidate for our uh, our partying like a Roth star for the weekend and for the week is Xander Schauffele, who mm, yeah. uh, no matter which Olympics we're talking about, summer or winter, I always just lock in on those. And even in these weird hours when I can't figure out what's live, what's taped, what will come up, what was yesterday, what's today, what's tomorrow, where, what time it is there, 13 hours in advance. The, watching the golf, the final round of the golf, I knew we had a one-shot lead, Schauffele, going into that last round. And sure enough, in the final round, he shoots a 67. He ends up uh, making the putt on 18 to hold on to a one-stroke win for the gold medal over Rory Sabatini. Then that wild seven-man playoff for bronze. Uh, and, you know, Xander's a guy, correct me if I'm wrong, Matty, but I don't believe he has a major. No, so, he just, does not. He's, he's not there yet with that major. He's been close. Yeah. But he gets through with that gold medal uh, and gets it done over in Tokyo. And and I'm sure he's... um I'm not sure if he's home or not yet, but uh, that certainly would be something that would would get you back to the States and and make you feel pretty good about what you've been doing.
1: No doubt. There it is, the X-Man Party Like a Raw Star for our guy Matty Andrews, and that's Party Like a Raw Star for this week. Update for you at the top of the hour when we come back. Significant Browns news coming down this weekend. We'll give you our take on it after an update. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan
0: sports conversation and sometimes pure stupidity awesome funny random your home of the buckeyes the fan ohio sports destination a former country club tennis pro and a high school baseball player don't be too impressed you're listening to rothman and ice
1: welcome back in maddie ice maddie andrews filling in for our guy ar today
0: which one of those
1: were you though
2: Former pro or the former yeah, baseball player?
1: There has never been anything <laughs> as professional attached to my name, even to this day. There's been nothing professional attached to my name. You're and I a pro. You're a pro. Yeah, that's, that's what we want to call this. <laughs> that's what we want to call this. And I don't think, Maddie, I've ever even stepped foot in a country club in my life. So, no, that has never happened to me. I'm just the old baseball player from Pig North, man. That's all I'm doing kind of football team with the panthers gonna have this year do you know you know what i don't know I, I can i can uh i'll link up with the head coach see what he's got cooking up for us over there hey you know a lot of buckeye fans gonna have their eyes on jack sawyer this year right yes. as a guy from my high school pick north guy as well and we touched on quinn ewers to start the show and if you're just now joining us big time uh, recruit at, at the quarterback position quinn ewers is gonna enroll early here right now uh, in that 2021 class so he'll get things going right away here in august and Jack Sawyer was another big name and I think that's a guy to where man if he comes in and makes any type of impact in money downs on third down and help out Zach Harrison and some of the other veteran guys around him I think that's going to be huge I I don't know if I want to put the the Bosa hype around him or the Chase Young hype around him because that's such a tough tough thing to live up to but there are people out there that think very highly of Jack Sawyer and what he's going to be able to do and man you combine his skill set with Coach Moradi and the weightlifting program and the the seasoning that he's going to get from Larry Johnson as his defensive line coach. I won't be surprised at all, Maddie. if we, we pop on the, these games here in a, in a few months to see Jack Sawyer making an impact.
2: There's no doubt. I know we're headed down a different direction than uh, in this segment, but let's just think about the, the, the four big names to me. And there are many big names in this class. But when you look now at yours here, yep. Henderson, Sawyer and JTT. What are we talking about? How can you not be more fired up than imaginable for what's coming? No doubt. This year and the years down the road, those are four incredible Mm -hmm. recruit
1: names. Incredible names. And we'll talk more about Buckeye football with Dan Hope, bottom of the hour from 11 Words, But the name that I'm – really interested in that you just mentioned there it's Travion Henderson yes. and how much of him do we see this fall because look there has been we know what Master T's going to be such a reliable force Big Ten running back I think kind of an old school running back he's got that power got a little bit of juice there I like me some Master Teague but the other guys behind him we, we saw flashes from Mayan Williams and, I, and I've been high on him on this show but all the other guys we really don't know we really don't know what they can do if they get a consistent 15 to 20 touches or whatever number that's going to be, but this Travion Henderson guy for a couple years now, we've been hearing about him and Maddie, you remember that game at Indiana where he, we had been hearing so much about J.K. Dobbins as a true freshman and what he was doing in camp and I wonder if we get some of that here in the next couple weeks when those guys really get rolling because there's no doubt like you just said, he is one of the more talented guys that they brought in in that class and I think he can carve out a nice role there obviously if he stays healthy and he does what he does in the needs to do in the film room because the talent's there. I think it's undeniable when it comes to Travion Henderson.
2: Yeah, that, that's a room I think I think that's probably a half dozen deep. Legitimately, look at like Marcus Crowley. Yep. Let's not forget about him. Steel Chambers apparently is playing a little bit of both offense and defense. You mentioned Mayan. You mentioned Master. You've got Henderson. Uh, th- this is a it's a it's a big room for Tony Alford and you know, looking for big things out of that We're running back stable behind a very veteran offensive line.
1: Yeah, no doubt. You mentioned in part like a roster. So you touched on the Olympics with Xander Shawley getting it done. What gets you going with the Olympics, man? Is there a certain event that you tap into that you really love? Not,
2: not particularly. No. And obviously, okay. I'm following baseball pretty closely right now. Yeah. I enjoyed the pool, man. It's like, you know, swimming. But then you just, see it's just, it's fascinating to me, and and the amount of stamina and endurance those those athletes oh, compete with. Yeah. Um, and then track and field will be enjoyable this week. There's a. A local kid, Clayton Murphy out of Western Ohio. There are some family ties too, so we're pulling for him. But, uh, it's just, uh, it's always exhilarating to me to watch these people compete and, and how they do it. Uh, and seemingly every year we're, We're, every four years, we're, we're right at the top in terms of uh, the good old US of A.
1: It's fun, man. It really is fun. I know that the, you know, the time difference for a lot of people is throwing a lot of people off because it it is kind of funky trying to find exactly what's going on and catching it live and all that. But for me, I'm, I'm big on the basketball. That's always fun for me watching those guys link up. But the, the diving, I kind of enjoy. I don't know why that's something that I like. Like if we're going down the pool route, like, these dudes and these girls diving in these pools from that height, doing all those flips and everything, and then there's like no water that splashes. I'm like, how is that even possible? Like that stuff blows my mind. I I enjoy that uh, a lot. There, I haven't seen the baseball stuff yet. You know, I'm a big baseball guy, and I haven't watched any of that, so I need to find a way to get into that because I'm definitely fascinated by that. You got no. Todd
2: Father. You know, he's playing yeah, for the Americans. No doubt, man. Yeah, Frasier. Yeah, Reds.
1: Great, but, Todd but, but they
2: don't they don't pause the baseball season to go play in these Olympics yeah, like they do right. in the winter with hockey. So it's mm-hmm. completely different. But uh, whatever, it's it's enjoyable to watch. And, um, yeah, of course, the hoops, that's going to be the big storyline, I think, here in the next few days and how, uh, yeah. how, how they react in the semis. What, it's against Spain, Spain. I believe.
1: No doubt. Yeah. So you'll see the Gasol brothers out there, two very popular names that play for them, and CB's new guy and Ricky Rubio playing for them as well with his slick back hair. So that'll be a big-time storyline for sure. Big storyline for us this offseason has been what are the Browns going to do with some of their young pieces that are due up for a nice payday, whether that be Denzel Ward, Wyatt Teller, Baker Mayfield, or Nick Chubb. And the first guy in the clubhouse to get it done is Mr. Nick Chubb. And he got an extension done this this weekend, and where this is going to put him at As far as the money laid out year to year, as far as running backs goes for right now, he's ranked sixth coming in. You got Christian McCaffrey, Zeke McCaffrey's at 16 million. Zeke's at 15 million. Alvin Kamara's at 15 million. And then you get the Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. Those guys are at 12. And then you follow that up with Nick Chubb's new deal at 12 million dollars right now. When you saw that number, did you like the way that this deal was kind of taking form for the Brownies? I I do, and I think
2: Cleveland right now is the most complete team in this division. I know that you might not agree with that with your Ravens, but I, I think the Browns have a chance to have a really good year, and I think that this is a very solid signing. Uh, and Colin, I'll, I'll turn to you for some more on this because I don't follow the Browns as close as you, but I think it's, it's a very friendly deal to both the team and the player. I mean, uh, Chubb's averaging about five yards per carry in his career. Uh, who wouldn't love that? He seems to be healthy. They've got a great little combination with some depth there. Kareem Hunt, of course, will, will play some running back, but to me, this is a very fair deal for both sides.
1: I absolutely think that's the case. And it's such a, Rare thing, I think, to say that when we come, when we talk about contracts, and especially with the position that Nick Chubb plays, and when you look at the Zeke contract and you look at the Todd Gurley contract. That, to me, I think, gave some pause to a lot of front offices around the league. And you look at how Cleveland likes to run that thing. They're big on analytics. And they, I'm sure, did all their homework and looked at all the numbers and what those guys were before the deal and what those guys were after the deal and even where they are right now. And Zeke's going to be in a lot of spotlight this year to see what his bounce back is going to be like. But where we are with Nick Chubb It's special stuff going on with this guy right here because you mentioned his yards per attempt and all those good things, but I think the thing that I love the most looking at a lot of Nick Chubb stuff this weekend was if you look at his yards per rush per quarter last season in the first quarter, he's hitting you in the face with 4.8, second quarter 4.0, but when you come out of halftime and you start to get a little tired, against Nick Chubb and this offensive line that is going to be really good. Again, what he did last year was in the third quarter, he averaged 5.2 yards per carry. And in the fourth quarter last year, it went to 10.0 yards per carry. That's what this guy can do. He is the definition of a bell cow back to me. He's the definition of a power back that can hit you with some long speed as well. So when you look at what Kevin Stefanski wants to do with this offense and the offensive line that he has in the division that they play in, you've got a power back to where when we get to that latter portion of the season, as long as he's healthy and when that weather starts to turn up and get cold a little bit with all the craziness we know that can happen up in Cleveland when it comes to weather and all of that, this is a guy that defenses don't want to see late in the game because of the wear and tear and the power that he's going to continue to hit you with game in and game out. So there are so many good things, I think, going on right here with this deal. And I think when you look at the number that he's at right now, I don't think this is a bad deal for either side of it because when you, the cat pit right now for the Browns, I don't think it's going to be bad over the next couple years. And Nick Chubb's looking at this thing and probably saying, look, man, I can hit the market again at 29 years old, maybe even right. get another extension done with the Brownies at age 28. So that I think is a sweet spot for him because Maddie, as you know, once the age 30 starts getting thrown around for these guys, especially at the running back position, it's hard for them to kind of get off the mat and it's hard for them really to convert prevent another franchise or even their own franchise to say hey you know what give me another four to five year deal so i think i agree with those that are saying that i think this works out well for both parties
2: yeah and and the health of course of chubb is going to be the ultimate thing here going forward in terms of that next contract but but you mentioned a guy that missed four games last year as you said he's 26 years old We've talked a lot about that offensive line. We mentioned that earlier in our segment uh, about the Browns offensive line. Pro football focus has them ranked number one. So if you're Chubb there, Maddie, don't you agree as well that, you know, you're able to give a little, take a little in terms of maybe what you might want to sign for in terms of money or longevity uh-huh. based on that ability for your offensive line that you know you're going to have in front of you to go out and get it done for, uh, for the running back. So I think it's huge. I think it's real solid. I think it's going to be something that, as you say, down the road, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be in a great position to re-up again wherever that might be and how, however long it might be there for. But the life of a running back here, you know, he's, he's probably looking at three to six more years if he can stay healthy of, of being really that bell cow, don't you think?
1: Oh, no doubt. No, I mean, no doubt. That's it. As long as Nick Chubb stays healthy, I think we'll be having conversations like you just hinted at for the next handful of years as him being one of the best backs in the league. There's no question. And when you look at what the Browns can do now with this rushing attack moving forward, and we mentioned, you know, Wyatt Teller's a name that, you know, maybe needs to get a new deal and all that. We'll see if that gets worked out. But if they're going to continue to roll out, maybe not even the best offensive line in the league, but uh, an offensive line that will give you some confidence that you can push some people around with this guy behind him, he's going to continue to do so much damage. And another thing that I was looking at over the weekend when it came to Nick Chubb, and I think this is something that can and already has benefited Baker Mayfield, is that when you look at the numbers on first down for Nick Chubb, He averaged six yards per attempt on first down, and that's such a valuable thing for an offense to have to get you in some really comfortable down and distances to eat up that yardage right away. And as a play caller, I'm sure you have to love that if you're Coach Stefanski and those offensive minds in the offensive room saying, okay, we know that once we get into second and third down, We really have a lot that we can do because Nick Chubb is going to, or at least he did last year, eat up a large chunk of that first play, and that allows so many other things to open up for that offense. So Nick Chubb is such a key thing for this offense, and we'll see. Can they balance out the Odell and Nick Chubb and all of that this this year is definitely going to be a big deal. But the thing that they know that they can go to is this rushing attack. If you suffer an injury or two in the, in the wide receiver room or whatever it is, you go into a game and that passing game isn't working or we run into a situation like we saw last year with four or five games, it seemed like, with the Browns where the weather was absolutely crazy, you have this dude that can steady the ship, punch defenses in the mouth, and keep it pushing. So we're back to where we started with the Browns this offseason. They have locked up right now the best running back duo, and I think a lot of people's minds, in the NFL. But this dude right here, what Nick Chubb is chasing, now that he got the contract extension out of the way, he's looking to solidify his name as the best running back in football. And, Maddie, he's got the talent to absolutely take the crown, potentially from Derrick Henry, if we see a slip.
2: He does, and as we've mentioned, he's got that offensive line to run behind. But I think the point that you made uh, a little earlier about the ability to get in that second half and when that line has has worn down some folks up front and for them to be able to run behind him in this division where you don't know what weather you're going to have really from about mid-October on, that's a big, big advantage for the Cleveland Browns.
1: I think the only thing we're looking for now when it comes to Nick Chubb is how involved he can get in the pass passing game. In, and, yeah. and it can be, look, it may be something that's not really needed, but that's really it. Like, that's, we're splitting hairs here when we talk about this guy because he's such a good running back that if he can do that, now you're talking about arguably the most complete running back in the game. Who knows if he ever gets the 50, 60, 70 receptions? I'd like to see him get the 50, but if we get beyond that, I don't know if we need Alvin Kamara numbers or Christian McCaffrey numbers in the passing game when it comes to Nick Chubb. But if he becomes more of a threat out of the backfield on third down or second down or whatever it's going to be, Man, that makes this dude even scarier for the Browns. So I think this is a heck of a deal for both parties. Nick Chubb gets some money now. The team looking at is looking at a running back contract that I don't think is going to cripple them moving forward. And Nick Chubb gets another bite at the apple at the age of 29 once this deal is done. So good stuff, I think, coming out of Cleveland this week and hoping that everybody stays healthy as these training camp practices roll along when we come back the AD over at Ohio State. You may have heard of him, Mr. Gene Smith. He has now been on the record talking about college football playoff expansion. We'll let you know what he had to say after the break. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan.
0: The only workplace in America to participate in the doorknob fart game. And we also play office basketball and sometimes do radio. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. They both
1: like to go to raves with the Bosa brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in, Maddie Ice. Maddie Andrews hanging out with you on a Monday. Thanks for joining us. Hope you all had a nice and chill weekend. Big news. Big news today. Coming down involving the Ohio State football program as big-time recruit Quinn Ewers is going to enroll early here in Columbus, enter that 2022 recruiting class, and get things going ASAP here in August. We'll talk to Dan Hope, bottom of the hour here, more about that and everything else going on with the Buckeye football team as we inch closer and closer to that first game against P.J. Fleck and company. Maddie, as you know, big storyline for us this summer has been the news about the college football playoff eventually expanding to 12 teams. And they're still working through things. There are meetings that still need to be had here within August and September. Conference commissioners, everybody involved, presidents, you guys know how this thing is going to go down. So they're still working through all of the details. And I'm sure, you know, when and where you're playing all these games, obviously they need to work through that. But it seems that we've had a ton of momentum behind this thing. And eventually this is going to go down. And as we all probably are expecting, Ohio State's going to have their name as a football program attached to the college football playoff more times than not with the way things seem to be rolling right now under Coach Day and especially on the recruiting trail. But Gene Smith, the AD obviously for Ohio State, has come out and said, quote, I think the pause button should be hit. We need to evaluate the landscape and what it's going to look like. We still need to evaluate the 12-team playoff We don't need to rush into that when there's legitimate concerns that need to be addressed. And I agree with him on that. I think we do have time to get this thing done, but I also think, Maddie, that just the way we saw that quick sign-off on Texas and Oklahoma joining the USC, I think that everyone involved in this decision, presidents, chancellors, everybody that has to make all these schedules, are going to try to get this thing done as fast as possible. It's coming. It's just a matter of when we get all the finite details about how this thing is going to look in a handful of years.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I agree with what Gene said, but unfortunately, I don't think they're waiting either. And I'm not sure that... And that will be, I guess, the big thing. And obviously, Gene Smith is probably one of the the top couple of most respected ADs, and certainly yep. with what he's done and what he is able to pull here and the power he has within, within the system at Ohio State. So will there be folks listening? Will there be people agreeing uh, w- will or will or will there be folks that just turn their head and march forward with what's going on and hope to get a 12 team playoff sooner than later to ultimately help perhaps, you know, some of their schools become more of a, a player in this playoff and, and financially help them? But I yeah. think Gene has a, a really solid point. I, I agree with the fact that. You know, let's just look at what we've we've talked about here already today, and when you look back on the last couple of months and how much change there's been, and where are we headed? And the term "wild, wild west" continues to come out, and yeah, uh, and it's it's uncertainty. It's I mean, look what you know. Yours, to my knowledge, the first kid that will will do this a year early, skip high school, come on because of nil. Where where are we headed with all this stuff? It is. It's wild. I I think in five years, we'll look back and think, what happened so quickly? How did it happen? How did we get here? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Gene speaking, and those concerns are probably very realistic. And again, how, how much folks either follow along and agree with that or not within the game, we'll find out.
1: Where we are right now with college football, obviously, is unprecedented territory none of us really know how all of this is going to look in the next five years, like you just hinted at, because of all the change coming at us. And how is NIL potentially going to affect recruiting? How is the college football playoff expansion potentially going to affect recruiting? How is the expansion going to affect how we view the regular season? That's been kind of my big thing as a big fan of the sport that is college football, is that, look, man, like, yeah, when we get to the end of the year, is it going to be fun to say, yeah, we've got more teams in the kind of the in the dance, if you will. Sure, that may be fun, but what I'm worried about, Maddie, is how we're going to feel about the regular season now. And I think we're going to little lose a little bit of that sizzle now because so many teams are going to have an opportunity to take a swing at at the ultimate price. Now, look, you may be on the Dabo side of things and saying that there's not going to be 12 teams worthy of it, and there's going to be, you know team's getting blown out and all that, and I think those are legit concerns when it comes to that, but the driving force of all of this, both Texas and OU jumping to the SEC, and now this type of conversation we're having about the college football playoff, it's the money. It's just there's too no much doubt. money that's been out there on the table for both all, both parties here now with this NIL stuff and with these universities looking at the college football playoff and these TV brands and everyone looking at just all the money that they can make. I honestly believe that that is, I think, the driving force for some of the stuff that we're seeing now around college athletics. It's always been about money, but I think even more so now, Maddie, where we are with college football especially that there's so much money out there that everybody's trying to grab it man
2: money out there and what will with this realignment allegedly of the sec and how soon that will happen what will a, an eight and four sec's team mm-hmm. what will their argument can be compared to a you know a 10 and 2 acc squad 11 and 1 big 10 and 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 where will that come into play, and 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 how the politics will play in terms of how many schools are going to get bids from within their league based on their power and based on their schedule? Because there's no doubt that if you add an Oklahoma and Texas to that SEC, an already strongest league to me in in football. That's going to make it uh, just a, a a little bit more difficult. To prove that you do, you got a Pac 12 team at 10 and 2 that deserves to be on ahead of maybe a a 9 and 3 or an 8 and 4 SEC school. So we're, we're headed down a wild, wild sticky situation, I think.
1: I, I think we both know, and I think a lot of people listening know what the argument's going to be coming from those people that are wrapped up in the SEC world. Sure. It's the conference that we're in. Hey, yeah, we lost three, we lost three games this year, but look who we lost to. And how did it look? And we've got the best conference. And I think Texas and Oklahoma started to realize that is, Hey, look, man, we can be the big dogs out here in the Big 12, but we need to show to everybody that we're much bigger than this, we're better than this, and we don't want the other teams in the conference holding down the perception of what we are because when the Big 12 gets brought up in college football playoff conversation, it gives you kind of an eh kind of feel because what did they really go through to get to the college football playoff? Now those questions seem to be eliminated for Texas and OU because what they'll have in their corner, and it's it's smart, On their resume when it comes to college football playoff is look at who we played and the conference we had to go through to get to this point, and it's going to be hard to push back on that. So change is coming. A lot of change is coming to the college football world, and we all got to embrace it, no doubt. When we come back, Dan Hope from 11 Warriors, he'll hop on. He will talk to us about the Quinn Ewer situation and everything else going on with Ryan Day's football team. It's Rothwin and Ice right here on The Fan.
0: We've been your Jackets flagship station since day one. All the goals, all the action, all the memories. Your home for the Columbus Blue Jackets, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Hey. Insightful and thought-provoking sports conversation for your lunch hour. You're listening to Rothman and Ice.
1: Welcome back in. Rothman and Ice, Matty Ice, Matt Andrews hanging out with you on a Monday. Thanks for joining us, folks. Time for us to head back out to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Chop it up with senior reporter over at 11 Warriors, Dan Hope. Dan, good to talk to you again, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks so much for your time. Obviously, a lot of stuff happening right now as we get closer and closer to week one. Just a but the, bit. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? But the headliner today is Quinn Ewers and him, you know, being an early, early enrollee now in the 2021 class. What type of impact do you think this is going to have on this year's season?
4: Yeah, that's hard to say because, I mean, you're talking about a guy who hasn't even arrived on campus yet. The season starts one month from today. So I think the likelihood of him winning the starting quarterback job going into the season opener at Minnesota on September 2, I think that's pretty slim because he would have to make up an incredible amount of ground in just a couple weeks' time to get to that point. But the question I think really is is, whether it's C.J. Stroud or Kyle McCord or whoever's starting at the beginning of the year. Can that guy lock down that job to where there's no question that guy should be the starter all year long? Or could Quinn Ehlers come along as the year progresses and potentially contend to become the starter at some point this year? Because, you know, you think back to Tua Taguailoa playing in the National Championship game at Alabama. You think back to Trevor Lawrence taking over midseason at Clemson. When you bring in a guy that's this talented, the possibility of him... You know, come at some point in his freshman year, becoming the best quarterback on the team and a guy that clearly needs to be on the field is certainly out there. So it, it's going to be fascinating to just see how this entire season plays out because I don't know for sure that the starting quarterback competition that plays out over the next month is necessarily going to determine who the starting quarterback is in January.
2: You kind of read my next question, Dan. That was going to be, Uh, And obviously, there's probably a lot of excitement today, but also probably uh, a number of folks that have a lot of questions and and concerns about where they might stand and what might be coming. But do you believe that Quinn Ewers will start at quarterback at some point this year at Ohio State?
4: I don't know. I I think it's possible. I think if I was going to bet on it right now, I, I think I would say no, just because he's coming in in August and also because... The other guys in that room are talented. I mean, C.J. Stroud was almost a five-star recruit. Kyle McCord was a five-star recruit. So the guys that he's going to be competing against, they're no slouches. I mean, even those situations that I mentioned at Alabama and Clemson, the guys that they replaced as freshmen were not the highly touted recruits that C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord are. So I, I, I would bet against it right now, but I'm certainly not ruling it out.
1: Dan Hope from 11 Warriors joining us here on, on Rothman and Ice. And, Dan, as you know, regardless of which quarterback wins the job over the next handful of weeks, we know that a strong running game can help out any quarterback and really balance things out for them. Do you think that the guys that are listed on paper right now, they're going to be a unit um that is going to provide a lot of punch for this offense this year?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you know, you know, look at it, you know, at, at running back, I think you've got, you know, three guys that really probably have a chance to play a lot this year, and that's Master Teague, Mayan Williams, and Travion Henderson, and I'm going to be fascinated to see how that plays out as well, because I think that's another position where maybe what it looks like in the season opener in September could, could be different than what it Looks like in December, January, because, you know, my feeling is a guy like Travion Henderson, you know, probably early in the year, they're probably going to work him in a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's the top running back by the end of the year, because, again, we're talking about a five star recruit here, a guy that's got the kind of talent to move up the depth chart very
5: quickly.
2: Dan, there's going to be very little uh, practice time this year. It looks like in fall camp where the media will be accessible to watch what's going on but what are a couple of the things you're going to be keeping your eye on when you have that ability uh whether it's on offense or defense to watch this team practice and and what you'll be looking for well
4: of course the quarterbacks are number one right I mean when you've got a quarterback competition like this uh, I think there's no doubt that everybody's eyes are gonna uh, be trained on those guys. But, you know, I mean, I'm going to be looking to see, you know, defense too. I mean, you look at the linebacker position, we still really have no idea like what exactly that lineup is going to look like. So that's going to be a position that whatever we get to watch, I'm going to be fascinated to see what that looks like. I'm going to be interested to see, you know, JT to who we didn't get to see this spring. I'm going to be interested to see what he looks like in fall camp. If he looks like a guy that can contribute immediately, you know, there's so many, uh, talented young freshmen on this team that have a chance to potentially play uh, early. So I'm I'm going to be interested to see, you know, those guys. And we saw in the spring guys like Jack Sawyer and Marvin Harrison Jr. They already kind of looked like they could be ready to contribute this year. But some of these guys coming in like JT Tumolow and now Quinn Ewers, of course, it's going to be fascinating to see what they look like in camp.
1: Seven Banks, it looks like, is probably going to be maybe the number one corner guy that maybe travels, who knows, guards the other team's opposing best receiver. But if I ask you this question, outside of Seven Banks, who is the defensive back that needs to step up the most this upcoming season? Who is that guy for you?
4: I mean, I feel like it's several guys, but I think I'd probably put right at number one, there would be Josh Proctor, because he's the guy who's playing that deep safety uh, eraser quote-unquote position there on the back end and you know I think you know you think back to a couple years ago you know I think maybe one of the most underrated keys of that their defensive success two years ago was Jordan Fuller on the back end and how consistent he was on the back end and I think you know we saw it in the NFL last year that you know he was a guy who probably didn't get as much uh, attention as he deserved at Ohio State but I think We saw it last year with whether it was Marcus Hooker or Josh Proctor back there, that they just didn't have the consistency back there. Those guys were sometimes out of position. They weren't always making the tackles they needed to make. And when you have that at that deep safety position, that leads to a lot of big plays. So I think it's really important for Josh Proctor to go from a guy who we've seen flash, we've seen make some big plays at times, to be in that guy who can consistently keep the other teams. For making a big place because at that position that's really your most important responsibility
2: dan we're going to hit on this in the buckeye Bulletin in the next segment but just your thoughts on uh jaheem singletary decommitting and then earlier last week uh benji gosnell deciding to, to to move away from ohio state with that 22 class what do you make of any of this if anything at all
4: yeah i mean decommitments happen they happen everywhere so i certainly don't look at it and go oh no What's going on? What's wrong with this class? I mean, it happens. I think Jaheim Singletary is a guy who, you know, you kind of get the vibe that, you know, maybe he wasn't really ever quite all in on Ohio State. And then I think, you know, when he visited in June, it maybe didn't quite, uh, you know, live up to his expectations in his mind. and You know, he's been recruited heavily by Miami and Georgia and Florida. And those are schools that are all a lot closer to home for him. So I think he's just kind of feeling that pull to, to go back home. Uh, closer to home and then you know Benji does now I, I get the vibe that might have been more of a mutual decision where you know maybe Ohio State kind of decided to go in a different direction there and you know he thought he might have a better fit somewhere else so I don't look at it and go oh no something's wrong with this recruiting class you know they, they've still got a solid class I and mean, it's not number one ranked anymore because that'll happen when one guy reclassifies and another five star decommits but it's still a really strong class and i think uh, they've still got a chance to add a lot of more top prospects to that class
1: dan we'll get you out of here on this one man give me the one guy young player or guy that's maybe been around that hasn't had an opportunity to play as much that you think could become kind of a more of a household name amongst buckeye nation at the end of the year
4: I mean, it just seems like every time we talk to Ryan David, he brings up Lathan Ransom's name as somebody who's really impressing him this off season and that there's just been a vibe around him all off season that he's a guy that's really making a move. So he he's a guy that I'm really interested to watch in the secondary of this year. I have a feeling that he's gonna be in that starting lineup week one and I think he's gonna play a lot and could end up being one of the best players on that defense by the time the year is over.
1: He's Dan Hope, senior reporter over at 11 Warriors, covering all things Ohio State sports. Go follow him on Twitter, at Dan underscore Hope. Dan, we love chopping it up with you, man. Thanks so much for your time on a busy day. Sure thing, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dan. When we come back, we'll talk more about Ohio State stuff in our Buckeye Bulletin. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. All sports,
0: all the time. And whatever it is Common Man and T-Bone do, we still don't know. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Rothman and Ice present Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the heat? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train systems, including 0% APR for 60 months.
1: All right, let's knock out a Buckeye Bulletin. Maddie, you mentioned this with Dan Hope. Jaheim Singletary decommitting from the 2022 class. Guy out of Jacksonville, Florida. This Look, man, this stings, obviously, but I don't think you could freak out too much if you're an Ohio State fan just based off of the damage this coaching staff has been able to do in 2021, 2022, and probably moving forward. So you never want to see something like this, but you can't have dubs all the time. And this is where we are with college football, where who knows why he decided to make this call. We see it now with the transfer portal, and we see guys look at their potential situations and say, okay, maybe there isn't that exact role that I'm going to want at that respective program. So I, I have no idea why he decided to make this. He threw out a tweet saying respect his decision, totally down to do that. But this is just college football now, man. And I, I don't think I'm too surprised by this. I think where some concern may start to creep in is if we get more and more of this happening with some of the best guys in their respective classes. But for me right now, uh, I don't know if it's that big of a deal. Now we got to see how they fill the void. That's a must for sure. But overall, I think everybody has a different reason to do what they do and to leave certain programs and I think for him, we have to wait and see why he decided to do it. So I don't I don't have a big issue with this at all, Maddie, do you?
2: No, and Singletary committed, remember, he committed without visiting here back mm-hmm. in early January and then made the visit in June and apparently it didn't quite feel right and now he's visiting other schools, other southern schools as you said, he was He's been to Georgia, he's been to Miami, and so, yeah, I agree with you, but Dan brought up a great point, I hadn't really thought of it, you know, yours was in this class, Singletary was in this class, well, yours is now coming a year early with reclassifying, Singletary out, so they're no longer the number one class, and I know they've got Notre Dame, Penn State, and others on their heels, but, but those are a couple a uh, couple big blows there, uh, pretty quickly to this to that next class, and I'm sure... That probably is all on the mind of Mark Pantone, but maybe not as much on others right now with the news
1: of yours. But uh, it happened in a hurry, didn't it? Yeah, no doubt. No, absolutely did. But they got some other four-star guys in the the class, and, and Terrence Brooks and Jair Brown and Ryan Turner. There's some other guys that we could be hearing names from down the road. But this isn't nothing, but I don't think it's a huge deal either, and I'm sure Jaheim Singletary will go on and be a baller somewhere else. We've seen guys leave Ohio State for whatever reason, and go on to other programs and ball out because that's what you're recruiting at Ohio State is really, really good football players, and unfortunately you cannot keep them all. Are you into the matting ratings at all? Does this do anything for you? It doesn't, but I did enjoy
2: kind of perusing the list.
1: I did too. I enjoyed it a lot. And I wanted to get to a guy that Dan Hope brought up. Because uh, And Jordan Fuller out there for the Rams. Because I saw this story floating out there this weekend that Jordan Fuller, for them, he is going to have that green dot responsibility for him now as the safety in the NFL. And if you don't know what that is, he's the guy that gets the play calls in. And he is now the guy that has to relay the play calls from his coordinator, whatever coach is going to be, to his uh, teammates there in the huddle. So essentially, he's kind of the quarterback now of... Of this defense and you got Aaron Donald coming out and saying it's more of a leadership role for him this year he's the guy who is getting us uh, lined up and getting us the plays right away so this is a big responsibility for Jordan Fuller he was such a surprise in a good way for the Rams a year ago in a defense that was really really good along the way so he's going to be looking at guys in the eye like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Floyd and getting them lined up and they got to have it he's got to be on. Awesome. It. he's got to be really sharp and obviously sean mcveigh and trust and company have a lot of trust in the former buckeye and jordan fuller so a big responsibility so i just wanted to bring that name up anything else jump out to well, you on the madden ratings
2: yeah i mean he's at 72 that's yeah. not it's not a great ranking obviously there's a number of guys at 90 or plus including michael thomas joey boza cam bayward and um and nick bosa all 90s and plus but and I think Jordan Fuller is a better player than that rating right there for whatever that rating might be.
1: Or me. You got me. the walk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You got the Washington guys, Terry McLaurin, 89, Curtis Samuel, 83, Chase Young, 86. That's a team that I'm expecting some noise from, and if they are going to make a lot of noise, those Buckeyes are going to be right in the middle of it. So it's out there. I know a lot of people get excited about all of this. I'm sure some people are yelling at their radios and saying, what is Justin Fields' uh, rating here? Let me see if I can find this. 74. You. 74? go? Okay. That, okay. that seems about the sweet spot for some rookies, man. And who knows? Will probably be cranked up sooner rather than later.
2: Fields and then Sermon. Both have 74s.
1: Okay. With with rookies. So there we go. There we go. And last thing here in our Buckeye Bulletin, former Buckeye Marcus Ball tied in. Uh, Looks like he's going to sign a deal or did sign a deal on Friday with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll see if we see anything from him as far as the Hall of Fame goes. But obviously another Buckeye in the building uh, and Cam Hayward and obviously Dwayne Haskins already. So we'll see what that looks like. I know he's bounced around just a little bit
2: who could forget that touchdown in the oh night game God. against Penn State that oh uh, my goodness man my goodness well, that's Unbelievable. that's been one of the one of the classic moments we've had recently in the horseshoe and Matty Ice, we're looking forward to seeing fans back in there, hopefully, for that Oregon game in full capacity.
1: No doubt. Man, it's crazy. Dan Hope said we're exactly a month away. It's just... It's here, man. It is absolutely here. And with this Quinn Ewer situation going on over the next couple weeks and what type of impact he's going to have on that quarterback race, it's going to be a fun year. No doubt about it. That was today's buckeye bulletin top of the hour we hit you with a deep dive what's going on with jamar chase how is he feeling about what's to come with he and joe burrow and another buckeye on the record about what they'll be able to do offensively we'll touch on it next rothman and ice right here on the fan
0: most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF's low price lock with U-Drive.
1: All right, welcome back here, Matty Ice. Matt Andrews filling in for AR today. I got you know, a question, Matty, buddy.
2: Yeah, go ahead, man. Go ahead. We got? When do you eat your lunch doing this show? All when right, do you so, guys eat your lunch?
1: My, I'm not a like lunch guy, but CB will tell you that what I do is at the top of every hour is when I get a nice plate of broccoli in. So at the top of every hour, I'll eat a plate of broccoli in between is when I'll sprinkle in my almonds and I'll usually chef up some scrambled eggs and I'll eat that along the way. So usually from about 11.30 to 3, I'm kind of just snacking along the way and that gets me to the finish line. I'm not a big lunch guy because I've noticed if I go out and get like a 12-inch sub and a bag of chips like... I'm gonna get tired like I'm gonna the itis is gonna hit me it doesn't work for me the other way it doesn't go the other way for me I don't get energy I get the itis from eating a heavy lunch so I kind of just nibble along the way
2: fair enough I had a few pistachios during the break so I'm, I'm feeling better but okay feeling yeah was, I didn't plan very well I must say
1: running out of gas here no Did, no no all, all good all good okay. I
2: just I was in direct. Now I understand why there are bowls of broccoli in our fridge in the office.
1: There you go. That is me. That is your boy that's stinking up the joint right there. That is (laughs) me holding it down uh, for you there. I I, I was going to tell you, man, this for me as a sports fan is my favorite pocket of time. Where we are right now up until Christmas is the best for me because the NFL is off and running. We're exactly a month away from Ohio State and college football kicking off. NBA free agency starts today at 6 p.m., but more importantly, we're going to start to get, not now, maybe not even soon, but when that weather starts to turn just a little bit, not cold, but when I get that nice, mild end of summer blended into that kind of coolish air of fall, like you need a this fleece, is, Yeah. This is, yeah, this is it for me. So end of July up until Christmas, I love the run that we're on right now or going to be on for a while.
2: That's half the year, Matt. I hope you enjoy it. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, heck of a sports time there's no oh question about God. it my favorite sports uh part of the year is yeah. probably as we end february start to mm. sense some spring in march okay. hopefully uh, right through probably may uh yeah. or at least early may once we get into the masters and uh, you got baseball you've got the tournament going on ncaa obviously you've got uh well you would hope blue jackets hockey uh sure. in the playoffs and but uh, hey whatever yeah it's it's great it's uh it's exciting there's no question about it. And on a day like today in Columbus, Ohio, how couldn't you be excited for some football if you're following the Buckeyes?
1: You got that right. And, you know, us as big-time college football fans and obviously a ton of people uh, rocking out with us are big college football fans as well. And I'm just hoping that we get those atmospheres back, right? That's just something that we all missed. And I know the players and coaches missed that even more a year ago is that I hope that – They get that and we get that life back because as you know, man, you get a hundred thousand people rocking out at the shoe or whatever venue you want to be at, venue you want to be at. It is a absolutely great time. So the fact that we're only a month away, fingers crossed that we get back to what we're used to when it comes to college football down in Cincinnati. So much buzz, man. So much buzz around this offense and rightfully so because I think the way that this joint looks on paper right now is that the Bengals are going to be having a lot of fun. And I think the, a big piece of that obviously is going to be their guy and Jamar Chase and he is going to be the focal point through training camp. He is going to be the focal point uh, throughout the preseason because we don't know how much of Joe Burrow we're going to see, if we see Joe Burrow at all in the preseason. But Jamar Chase is the guy because of what he was able to do with Joe Burrow at LSU, obviously sitting out last year with all the COVID stuff going on, and you totally understood that. But now that this guy is here and you put him within an office that already has some really good young pieces already, I know Cincinnati fans are fired up about this dude, Maddie, and rightfully so, because just throw on whatever highlight package you want to throw on of Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow cooking up back in 2019 when they got the job done in the National Championship game and along the way leading up to that National Championship game. The dude is special.
2: He's special. He's worked with Joe. He's, he's developed that chemistry. They talk a little bit about that. In fact, uh, Chase said in the last couple of days that he feels like they never lost their chemistry. Yeah. I, and that's exciting. Yeah, you know, I've, I've followed the Bengals since I was a kid and, uh, and I think they've got as much talent and their skill positions on offense as I've ever remembered. And even, even counting the days of, you know, Pickens and Scott, even, a little bit uh, more recent, Hushmanzada and Ocho, but but T Higgins, Todd or Boyd are going to be right there with Jamar Chase. It's going to make them, I think, extremely, extremely um, dangerous. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's only going to be as dangerous as their offensive line. No doubt will allow them to protect Joe Burrow and create op- um, create holes to, to run the football. You know they they can they can score twenty eight thirty points a game. I think with with very little problem. Going ahead. And I think we're all excited with Joe Burrow, who, by the way, if you've not seen pictures of the guy from camp, not only back healthy with the knee, he looks completely fit and, and absolutely like he's just toned up and, and completely leaned up a bunch. So it's exciting. But, but where that line will lead them is how successful they're going to be.
1: Uh, CB, and I agree with you, Maddie. CB, let's hear from Jamar Chase. Let's go to that last one there. Let's hear from him and maybe some things he took away from Joey B during their time at LSU. I know in college, Joe was actually one of the first people to help me, like, really break down film. You know, I used to just sit there and watch myself and try to critique myself. But Joe actually gave me the ins and outs of watching film when I was younger. And it plays a part now. So, you know, it's just having to have that want, you know, and and have to want to study your plays. And I feel like that's something that everyone needs to do. I think it's such a big deal that both these guys know each other so well on the field because I think there is going to be a bit of a seamless transition uh, for both of these guys. Now, obviously, it's a new offense, and Zach Taylor, they like to spread things out with the three wide receiver sets and all that stuff, but I think for the most part, when you talk about, the small details of a quarterback and wide receiver relationship is how is Jamar Chase coming out of his break? And, you know, for Jamar Chase, you know, on, on a dig route, on a slant route, whatever it is, what, what is the exact yardage I need to be at that can benefit Joe? All of those things. These guys already have figured out, and I think that is such a huge thing for a young team, and especially a young offense or a young quarterback to have. Is okay, maybe some of those hiccups will be eliminated here through training camp in the early portion of the season, based off of what we were able to do at LSU, and also when you look back at what that team was doing in LSU, wasn't just Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow was able to handle Justin Jefferson, and we all saw what Justin Jefferson was able to do his first year in Minnesota. You had C.E.H. Clyde Edwards-Alaire in that offense as well. So this isn't, hey, we're bringing uh, Jamar Chase into a situation to where he hasn't had to share the wealth and Joe Burrow hasn't had to spread the ball around to multiple people. He's already done that at LSU. Now, it's a level up in the league, but I think those little small details about their relationship already I think can only benefit this team. Now it's just on Joey B to spread the wealth around and spread the rock around to those guys to keep everyone happy. But for the most part, when you talk about these two guys getting on the ground and running right away, I think we're probably going to see that from Burrow and Chase.
2: I would agree. I knew there were a bushel of touchdowns. 20. Yeah. Chase and Burrow <laughs> that last year and almost 1,800 yards, 1,780. I don't know. That may have been a good year. I'm not sure. But but it's It's certainly a combination that has had success with other receivers, which is why it makes, you, it makes you excited as a Bengals fan to see that there are other weapons just beside Chase around Joe Burrow. Uh, By the way, real quick, a shout-out to the Bengals for finally employing somebody to get audio and video on their website. (laughs) Because in the off-season... They they completely neglected for the longest time. The most recent yeah. video was their final game last year. So I'm yeah. sure you know they as as they typically are very very skimpy with their money. Yeah. They went ahead and, and brought those people back. So a tip <laughs> of the a tip of the cap in the NFL world appreciates you becoming uh, relevant once again. No, no doubt. i, I am mean, been in my, your shoes, brother. Uh, uh, last I week I tried to find some sound of Sam Hubbard signing his contract extension. Yeah there was not a bit of sound bite. Yeah. Anyway, but yes, that uh that's going to be a, a a fun duo on that offense to to follow.
1: You mentioned those 20 trips to the paint that he had back in 2019. Do you like 21 yards per catch as well? Man. Because that's exactly what happened and that number will always be in my mind because that's what I remember. is just explosive stuff from those guys, and I think that's exactly what he's going to bring. And now, if you're a defense man, wh- like where do you go with this offense? But your thing, what you mentioned about you the, rushed offensive the quarterback, line, you rush the quarterback. That's it. It is a hundred percent right. Is those guys up front have to be able to hold up? Because if they do, I think what we're talking about at the end of the year is the Cincinnati Bengals have one of the best young offensive cores, if not the best offensive core in the league, because that's only going to benefit everybody. And especially Joe Mixon with him on that deal. I'm sure he wants to prove to the world that, Hey, I am worth this. And I think he's obviously talented enough to live up to that deal. But all of that, None of those guys are going to be able to get busy if we don't see a Jonah Williams take a massive leap. If we don't see a Riley Reef come in and be a solid protector on the outside and the guys in the middle of that offensive line, a lot of spotlights going to have to be on Jackson Carmen because a lot of people, myself included, thought they should have went with the best offensive tackle on the board, whether that was Penesul, whether that was Slater from Northwestern, whoever they liked, that's the route that I would have gone, especially when we've already been down the path of our quarterback dealing with a very bad injury so we're going to have to see how it pans out i think we're going to have some amazing highlight moments but i also think we're going to run into some games to where joey b may be running around a little bit too much we'll see these guys may shut us up but i think based off of what we've seen the last couple of years and especially last year i think it's totally fair to question what we're going to get from that offensive line until they prove it to us on sundays
2: but Matty Ice, had they gone with an offensive lineman, we wouldn't have a Jamar Chase segment on this Monday totally afternoon fair. in early August. In <laughs> totally global. fair. And what is also totally fair, and allow me to pity party for a minute. But as a lifelong suffering Bengals fan, you know darn well that the division, the Browns, the Steelers, the Ravens—they're all going to get after the quarterback. They're not going to let Joe Burrow sit there in halftime. Now maybe he can beat him with some quick stuff, mm-hmm. but but that is just—it's so typical. Once we get into those division games, there's going to be pressure on him all the time and they're going to have to be able to stand up and, and, and try to block somebody. So good luck.
1: We know the names. You got T.J. Watt from Pittsburgh. You got Miles Garrett, who can make a case that he is the best pass rusher in the league. And we'll see what Baltimore can cook up. They just signed Justin Houston this weekend, made a first-round selection on a defensive end out of Penn State this year. So I think they're probably the least established pass rush in the division. But Week Martin, there, Martindale, their defensive coordinator, he's known for wanting to blitz everybody. So he is bringing the house. So your point absolutely is well taken. These defenses in the north. They are going to come after them because until you put it on tape that you can hold up, they are going to bring the heat. So I absolutely think that is going to be the spotlight for the Cincinnati Bengals early on. Last little nugget on the Bengals here before we close out this segment. Tyler Boyd's coming out, and he's having some very confident things to say, and I think he should be confident in his abilities and this offense abilities, offense's ability if – What we just talked about happens, but he thinks they've got a chance to have three 1,000-yard wide receivers. And I can't push back on that too much based off what Joe Burrow showed us a year ago and with the extra game afforded to these guys now with this schedule expanding. I think we are going to see a lot different numbers than what we've seen in the past. But he's coming out and saying that he thinks, Maddie. That when we get done with the year, he thinks the whole nation will talk about their offense this year. And I can't disagree with him because of the names that they have on paper. And if that Jackson-Carmen pick hits and the other guys stay healthy and perform better, this is an offense I think that's going to put up a ton of points this year.
2: Do you think that the Bengals' coaching staff and coaching scheme will allow them to have three 1,000-yard rushers this year?
1: Well, I mean, seriously. Here's what I'll say to that. I think the defense may allow it because if this defense isn't good either, then yeah, We're I think be these right guys back can definitely field. get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. I think <laughs> these guys can definitely get there because they're going to have, they're going to be chasing points. Matty, it'll be a, yeah. Who wins the AFC North? If I, had, if I had to put money down right now, I'd roll with the Brownies. I, I agree with you. I think when you look at them top to bottom, I agree. I think they've got it all or a lot of what you want for a legit contender. I, and I think, The other teams, Big Ben, what are they going to look? Can he stay healthy? Can they run the football? And that defense has lost some faces. Baltimore, is their defense going to be able to be a top five defense? Can they make explosive plays in the passing game? I know Rashad Bateman made a play this week on Marlon Humphrey that had everybody going crazy. I don't think the Browns have that many questions. I think when you look at the Browns, some new faces on defense, but when you get Johnson and Hill coming from the Rams and – you have Miles Garrett, some other veterans on that defense. Then sure. I think it's easy to tip the cap to the Browns right now. I think they're the most complete team in the North right now. So to answer your question, if I'm betting money right now, going out to Vegas, I'll put some coin on the Brownies. How about you?
2: Same. No, absolutely yeah. the same. I agree with that. I think that the uh, the uh Ravens will be second, the Bengals will be fourth, and uh Pittsburgh will sneak in there at three. But I, I like Cleveland in the division
1: for sure. Right it's now. a fun division no where doubt. the division is going and where the division is right now as far as young quarterbacks are at the moment. you got three teams that probably feel very comfortable 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 with what they have in the future and we'll see what pittsburgh does in the years to come following up big ben we'll hit tell the truth up next with cb rothman and ice right here on the fan
0: good news soccer freaks the black and gold play here every game all season long proud to be your flagship station for the columbus crew the fan ohio sports destination Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, Stevie, let's roll, my man. All
6: right, could Austin potentially try to steal another sports team? And I asked that because it sounds like the Buffalo Bills ownership wants their stadium, new stadium, to be publicly funded in Buffalo. And if they don't get it, they kind of made a threat saying that there's other cities that would pay handsomely for an NFL franchise. And it was reported by ESPN's Seth Wickersham that Austin was one of those possible destinations. Are you going to call their bluff or do you think they're serious?
1: I think they're serious and I hate stories like this because I always feel for those diehard fans in those respective cities. There's been noise about this in Chicago and them wanting to relocate and that's created c- quite the situation up in Chi-Town and I have to imagine the same thing's going to be happening here. We felt this a little bit here in our own fine city with our with our crew and now this is happening again and we know dollar signs drive a, a lot of this so I don't think they're bluffing, CB. I think this is something they really want to do, and I hate this for the fan bases involved. But uh, Locking in right now on the Bills, I hate it for them.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Maddie. I think this is legit. I, I hope it doesn't happen. I, th- I think it's extremely uh, disappointing uh, when you hear Austin involved again and again. Yeah. probably has nothing to do with uh, pre-court, but at the same time, it's the same area, and Uh, But the Buffalo News is reporting that the team's not made any threats to leave if they don't get their full funding. We'll see. Uh, We used to travel to Buffalo every year with minor league baseball games up there, and and they're amazing, amazing fans, great fans of Buffalo. So you hope it doesn't happen, but I believe it very well could be true.
0: And that, my boy,
4: is a damn truth.
6: All right, so it's hard to turn down $44 million, but that's exactly what Chris Paul did by declining his player option. To become a free agent. So I want to ask you, will he stay in Phoenix or will he go?
1: I think he'll be back with Phoenix looking at how the kind of point guard landscape has kind of rounded into form here, if you will, over the weekend. A lot of noise from woes this weekend that... The Raptors and the Heat are going to work out a sign and trade to get Kyle Lowry down to Miami. The Knicks seem to be in the mix, maybe for Dennis Schroder um, out of for the Lakers. Lonzo Ball, a lot of noise about him going to Chicago. So the point guard spots that everybody was looking at seems to be filling up. So I think he's going to step out of this deal, and I think he and Phoenix are going to rework, it, and I think he'll run it back with DeAndre Ayton and Booker.
2: Well, Maddie, I've heard your expertise on this. I've read Woj's report. I, too, agree that he'll be back with Phoenix. And at 36 years old, so an older NBA guy, Chris Paul, why would you want to leave Phoenix? Wouldn't you want to stick out there in the Valley of the Sun and and live the good life out there? So, yeah, I'll agree with you there as well. I think he'll be back with the Suns. Just remember, it's not a lie.
0: If you believe
6: it. okay. our Daily Fan poll sponsored by Ray Kurt Ford. It's how many yards will Nick Chubb rush for this season? Is it under 1,000 yards, 1,000 to 1,299,
1: 1,300
6: to 1,499, or 1,500
1: plus? Well, Maddie, you mentioned it earlier. Our guy got to 1,000 last year in just 12 games. So I definitely think I'm eliminating the under 1,000 answer there. I'm going to sandwich him in to... 1,000 to 1,200. Give me option B because you still have Kareem Hunt there, and I think when you do have Kareem Hunt and when you do give a running back an extension and you're a team that expects to be in the playoffs, I think you want to use your backup running back maybe a little bit more than what you would a year ago because you want a fresh Nick Chubb ready to go. So all of that with an extra game them lumped into all of it, I still think he can have a very, very productive year, but I think the smart way to go about it would be a little bit more balanced with Nick Chubb uh, along the way as far as the bulk of carries should go. Still think we're going to get a heck of a year. Give me 1,000 to 1,200
2: yards. Matty, one of your last points, the extra game, I think, is going to be huge. Uh, I think it's going to get him over the 1,299 mark. I've got him in C, 1,300 to 1,499 for a team, obviously. It's going to want to run the ball as we've talked about. They do have some depth there, but they're going to want to run the ball. And I think they're going to be the division winner. I think they're going to have a great year. They've, they're my pick to win the AFC North. So I'm going to go see thirteen hundred to fourteen ninety
6: nine. Why would you worry? And our final ones are: Would you rather? Would you rather be completely invisible for one day or be able to fly for one day? <laughs> you you oh, the I want to hear the your year? take uh,
1: on? Yeah, go uh, ahead on this
2: one. I want to be invisible for one day. Now flying would be great, um, but. I want to be invisible because I feel like it's going to allow me to find out some things or perhaps uh, maneuver around and, and get some answers on some stuff that I might otherwise not be able to get. How, how does that sound? Is
1: that fair? You, you won me over with the last part of your statement there, with the being able to find out some things that we may not have ever had access to. And my mind went immediately, immediately to Area 51. That would be the first place... That I would go. So give me being invincible for a day, invisible for a day, and I would just go to Area 51. Where else would I go? Like, I would want to get into some type of important sports meeting. Like, I'd want to really feel how Aaron Rodgers feels about Brian (laughs) Goodkins off the record. Like, I really need all of that type of stuff. So you won me over right there because I was going to lean with flying for one day. But when you throw out the little nugget of us getting some stuff that we wouldn't have access to before, my goodness, the damage you could do in a 24-hour window being the Invisible Man. Give me Invisible Man, CB. I'm rolling with that. And
0: the truth oh. shall set you free.
1: What would you want to find out being invisible for a day?
2: Oh, that'll, that'll never be disclosed. But uh, Okay, fair enough. <laughs> evil evil Ball Colin, where are you on that last one?
6: I would... Yeah, I'd probably i probably do the invisible. I thought originally I was going to go with fly, but invisible. You kind of spoke me into it.
1: There's yeah, just so many There's things some dark that you avenues could find there, out. boys. <laughs> like we could, we could, yeah. That's look. We've got Rothman and Nice after dark. If you want to hop on that show, you can give your take there. But man, we could you know hop into coach Day's office right now, see how he really feels about this Quinn Ewers situation. Like, what else could we do, fellas? We could be There's on the plane cool with stuff. Quinn
2: Ewers right now. Who knows? <laughs>
1: Oh, my goodness. CB, I know you got to have something else. You got to have something you want to do as the Invisible Man. Come on. What are you doing? I don't know. It had to depend on the day, honestly. Okay. You guys are boring, man. Come on. Give me something good. Like if it's Super Bowl
6: day, I'm sneaking into the Super Bowl. Sneaking
1: into the Super Bowl. Okay, Deflate footballs. I guess that's not really what I was looking for something crazy from you guys. I'm trying to think of something off the top, off the, off the top rope that I would do. What would I do, man? I don't know. I'll think about this. I'm going to come back. I'll hit you with some stuff tomorrow about this. Cause this is great. This is the type of stuff that I love. When you talk about superhero stuff, having abilities like that, I'm all in. I would, I
2: would definitely injure myself flying. There's no question about that.
1: Run into a building yeah. instead of a bird hitting slam the window. Slam into the uke.
2: slam into a glass window. Yeah. Hey,
1: <laughs> right, when we come back, we will lock in on the Cavs. Evan Damorell, he covers the Cavs for Locked On Cavs. Man, he will give us his take on the Evan Mobley situation and where this team is headed as free agency kicks off here in about three hours in the NBA. We'll talk to him next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. You love sports? We love sports. You love the Buckeyes? We love the Buckeyes. You
0: love your mom? We love your mom. The fan, Ohio Sports Destination. If you're tired of hearing about Maddie's high school baseball prowess, just wait five seconds until Anthony tells stories about his amateur
1: tennis days. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in, Matty Ice, Matt Andrews filling in for AR today, time for us to head back out to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline, link up with Evan Damorell, he is an editor over at Fear of the Sword, co-host of the Locked on Cavs podcast, Evan what's going on man, how you doing? I'm good, how are you guys, thank you for having me. Oh, man, thank you so much for some of your time. Man. A lot going on right now in the NBA with the draft concluding mm-hmm. and free agency getting ready to kick off here in a few hours. I want to go back to the draft with you and just get your take on Evan Mobley and the player that he is, the skill set he's going to bring to the table as a rookie.
5: Well, I'm personally biased, full disclosure, because, you know, an evan evan connection, and then it's great to have somebody in the community that's a celebrity that has the same name as me now. But other than that, I think in any other draft class, and I've spoken to a few draft experts, uh, Chad Ford being one of the bigger ones, if Cade Cunningham wasn't in this draft class, Evan Mollie would have been in the consensus first overall pick. And I think his camp being selective and not working out for Houston and him kind of refusing to speak to Houston really fell, let him fall into Cleveland's lap a little bit. But I, I hate the term unicorn for most players. Devin Mobley truly is a unicorn-type player because his story is pretty interesting. He obviously had a gross spurt in high school that caused him to shoot up, but because he was so skilled and he played with his older brother, who was a five-star recruit and prospect for Southern Cal as well, he would play up with bigger kids, and so he'd be forced to play guard most of the time. So he has a lot of guard skills, and I think that's, one, really hard to teach the big men in the NBA, but... You didn't get to really see a lot of it on a full display as USC last year just because it wasn't a very good team. And they also didn't have a primary point or a traditional point guard, I should say, to really get him involved in the offense as well. So, really, he was the central hub. And, like, him and his brother dragged it down to the Elite Eight. And he made a lot of noise. And he's just super intriguing. I think there's going to be some lumps, I think there's going to be some growing pains. There usually is when it comes to big men in the NBA and it's just, it's, it's easier for guards to transition just because they, they're the lead initiators in the offense. But the Cavs have certainly an interesting piece in Mobley and I think I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse here, but for a while now they've been chipping away in this rebuild, but I think they finally have the guy to say like, okay. This is who we can plant our flag and say this is who is going to lead us back to the playoffs and who we can build around going forward. And then they can make their vision and their identity around Evan Mobley and his pretty unique skill set.
2: Evan, regarding Evan Mobley and, and Kobe Altman, called him a transformative talent. Uh, obviously, with a, a high pick like that, there be, becomes a lot of pressure. What do you know about that and, and kind of how he's handled it in his past and what do you expect going forward regarding him being the focal point of this organization now?
5: Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be pressure. We actually had a listener call in and leave a message for me to answer once and said, like, well, what if Evan Mobley's a bust? And I said, well, any player could be a bust at the end of the day. Like, a lot of things can happen that you don't expect, like injuries, knock on wood, and none of this happens to Evan. But I just think you, you take a swing on a high upside player like this and hope it works out. But... At his apex, he has flashes of Anthony Davis and Chris Bosh. And for those who may not remember, Chris Bosh at the Miami Heat in his early days of Toronto was incredible. And then at his floor, you have a Christian Wood type player who is not a bad player for Houston right now. And so it, it, there is certainly pressure with that. But at the same time, a lot of people think he's stoic and, and he's... My only thing with Evan I've noticed so far is he's very shy, very quiet and soft-spoken. It's hard to get him going, but he says he lets his game speak for himself, and he's extremely confident that he can handle the labels that come with being considered a transcendental talent and a franchise-altering player. And We'll just kind of see what happens, but I think it's a little, again, putting the cart in front of the horse, you're putting all these expectations on a 19, 20-year-old, they're kids. We got to let them grow and develop and play in a grown man's league like this it's a little bit different than football where they get a few years of season at college before they jump into the next level so i think he's going to make a huge difference for cleveland but it may not be an immediate impact it may be like two three years time for you can say okay this kid actually is a superstar
1: we're talking to Evan Damorell, covers all things Cavs over at Fear of the Sword, also locked on Cavs. Evan, I remember before the draft was officially rolling, I was seeing Colin Sexton's name pop up as maybe a potential trade piece and conversations about what the Cavs should do moving forward with their young backcourt in Darius Garland. And obviously, Colin there, your thoughts on that conversation, that noise out there, and do you believe that the organization could t- should continue to push through with those young guys? handling the rock
5: yeah i so in regards to the sexton stuff i was listening to what teams were saying and who was and wasn't interested and i'll say outright that cleveland isn't shopping colin sexton they like him as a young player they like their young pieces they've assembled so far but it's also negligent to not do your due diligence and listen to offers from other teams and he's going to be a free agent next off season, a restricted one. So Cleveland can match any offer that he gets out there. But if there's an offer that's too pricey or if they think that they can't keep him, yeah, you explore these trades and see what happens. And I've reported the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks and the Golden State Warriors and the Oklahoma City Thunder, four teams i heard that have expressed interest in trading for Colin because they think his skill set can fit with certain players. But I think Colin, if you in a vacuum or if you want to put him in a scenario, We're three years into his NBA career now. I think he has more than outplayed the expectations of an eighth overall pick. He had all star consideration. I don't know if it was serious consideration, but he got both. So that's something to definitely take note of this year. And I think the ideal scenario is is if he is your starting two guard or your starting I mean it's basketball's positionless at this point too. If he's one of your starters, an ideal scenario is to put a defender alongside him and maybe a bigger playmaker as well. If you can combine both of those players into one skill set and one player, that's more than ideal. So you look at a team like Miami, Jimmy Butler is a huge fan of Collins' game, and Jimmy Butler is a defensive-minded wing who can make plays and has really shown his playmaking shots last year. Or you look at Oklahoma City, they think that they have a young team that's conducive to growth, and they have a lot of big-body players, and Shea Gilgis alexander is a bigger guard that you can put next to Collins. Who makes plays in defense as well? Like, there are pieces in place. I just think the Cavs need to figure out what exactly they're doing in their backcourt because they say they're trying to emulate the Portland model to an extent with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And I think we're finally seeing on Volt Display why it may not work when you have two smaller guards that are minuses defensively. You just get shredded in the perimeter and then you're asking a lot of now Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, but I think, again, Cleveland fans just get high on optimism. I'm sure the first Freddie Kitchens-Brown season is my best example to think of, where everybody thought they were Super Bowl-bound, and that season just blew up in everyone's face. But you've got to remain patient here. I think it's a little unrealistic to put all these pressures and expectations on the Cavs. But to be fair to Colin and to be fair to the young players they've already assembled, until about mid-March, they were flirting with the play-in tournament. And I think they lost to Chicago and then had a few tough losses in between that as well. That kind of just distanced them a little bit for the 10th seed in the playing spot. And then you saw a little bit of some players, you know, having some nagging injuries suddenly flare up at the same time and they started to slide a little bit. The same thing happened to Toronto and it, it worked out in Cleveland's favor. They get the third pick and ditto for Toronto. They got the fourth pick, but I think the Cavs have a nice assembly of young parts. I just think they need to just kind of keep building the momentum and building this culture and things and just keep growing. I mean, Isaac Okoro has a ton of a potential, and he, at least defensively, but he there's ones in his game he needs to fix. Darius Carlin has ones in his game he needs to fix, and staying healthy and consistent is a big one with him. There's a lot of flaws with these young players that you need to iron out, and thankfully, they're young. And they're not saying, like, okay, at 22 years old, this is your cap, this is your limit, this is your ceiling. There's still areas to explore. It's areas to grow and make the team better. It's just a matter of patience. And sometimes it's tough with fandom, and I understand that.
2: Evan, last one from me. Just uh, an update on, I guess, what's next with Kevin Love. What do you expect? I think he has two years left on his deal, right? Correct. Two years,
1: $60.3 It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. But, I'm go ahead. No, I was just going to ask is the buyout word is that out there at all i think
5: it is i really genuinely believe i know jerry colangelo coming out and saying it was a mistake to invite him to team usa in vegas does not help at all but i really think if kevin was able to stick with team usa and go to tokyo and make and show that he is productive next to star players because it's kind of hard to look bad next to players. I mean, they did get embarrassed against France, and then they lost to Australia before they headed over to Tokyo. But it's hard to look bad, and you are playing next to some of the best players in the world. And I think the Cavs in Kevin's camp were hoping that, okay, we can rehabilitate the remaining whatever's left of your trade value because he has a calf injury, and that's what may imply to Tokyo. And that goes hand-in-hand hand with the Achilles injury, the soreness he was dealing with before. I think that was the last gasp effort, and I feel like Cleveland is going to try and do their due diligence after this first wave of free agency signings where a lot of teams maybe who are trying to swing to get into the playoffs or become a serious title threat, reapproach and say, okay, maybe we'll trade for a Kevin Love if Cleveland has enough to sweeten the pot to take on that contract. But because of that, I don't think it's going to happen. And I think it's just a, it's an inevitable reality of the situation where you have to buy it out and you see how much money you lose on the table to see how that impacts your salary cap going forward because there's options where let's say he leaves 18 20 million on the table maybe that means cleveland be on the books for 40 million you stretch that over five years at eight million a year for kevin love or you just eat the cost over the next two years there's a lot of different options for cleveland but i just think it's a sad way for things to end um, it's also weird to think he's the last player from that 2016 squad still standing, considering how often he was in trade yeah. numbers. But I, th- I think a buyout's inevitable at this point. And it's, it's a shame this is the way it has to end, but when the Cavs drafted Mobley, it became clear that they're moving on from Kevin Love because Mobley's going to start where Kevin Love is. And I think you need to do right by a veteran and let him sign the contender and play for championships, especially one as significant as him.
1: He's Evan Damorell. He is the editor over at Fear of the Swore, co-host of Locked on Cavs, and now the second most popular Evan in the city <laughs> of Cleveland. Evan, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for chopping it up with us. Have a good day, okay? Thanks. You guys too. Take Thank care. Thank you. Take it easy, man. When we come back, we'll round out the show with an NFL two-minute drill. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. What's the best way to scare your kids into submission? By
0: blasting morning juice through the speakers. You're welcome. Morning juice.
4: Weekdays at
0: 6. The Fan. It's time for the NFL 2-Minute Drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today.
1: All right, NFL 2-Minute Drill time. Big, big injury news. Coming out of the league today, in the last week, we started to hear some things about how Carson Wentz messed up his foot Thursday, and we were seeing what was going on with that Friday, and it was pretty vague still. But now we know from the head honcho, Frank Reich has come out and said that he's going to have foot surgery. He's going to be out five to 12 weeks. And, man, rarely do I say this, but I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for the guy because this was his chance to really – clear up his name with a lot of football BS that was attached to his name and some off the field stuff that was attached to his name maybe because it was his fault but this was a chance for really for him to really reset and I think with a fairly solid team around him to maybe make some noise inside of a division that seems to have one team that a lot of people respect in Tennessee with some other teams in Houston and Jacksonville trying to figure it out right now so for personally for Carson Wentz, I feel for the dude, man, because he had been getting dunked on for a couple years now, all across the board, and now he's got another setback due to an injury. It's tough news for him, man.
2: Really tough news, and Maddie, it looks like uh, according to the preliminary reports, this is a wide range of time, anywhere from five to twelve weeks out, according to Frank Reich. So uh, it is. It's it's a really tough break. There's no question about that.
1: Seeing some things out there today as well. Won't be surprised at all if we get Nick Foles in a Colts uniform sooner rather than later. Chicago seems to be set, at least with their starter and backup situation with Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. We'll see how that plays out. But Nick Foles is in that quarterback room right now. And he and Frank Reich, they took on Tom Brady and Bill Belichick head-to-head head in the Super Bowl and got it done. So I have to imagine that they're going to try to figure something else out. I know Jacob Eason is out there, a young quarterback who they may think highly of within that building, but it's Jacob Eason, it's Sam Ellinger, it's Jalen Morton and Brett Hundley. That's their quarterback room without Carson Wentz in it. And I have to imagine with them having playoff expectations because of where they were last year, young offensive line that's good, defense that's ready to roll like they can't let a season just waste away, so they have to figure out who their best quarterback option is, and it may be Nick Foles. Seeing this news, want to throw this out there. The Giants, they brought in Alfred Morris, and it looks like he's going to be potentially on a one-year deal, and the reason why this is, could be significant is because of Saquon Barkley, and that has been such a big-time headline around the NFL this offseason. So the more, Maddie, we hear about things like this, coming out of New York involving their running back room, I think that can lean you towards Saquon may not be ready to go for week 1.
2: Yeah, and this is an ACL injury that happened last September, so that's a little bit surprising, but they get Morris as you said 9 games last year for the Giants. Morris 55 attempts for just over 230 yards, so They've got uh, Devontae Booker, Elijah Penny back there in the backfield as well, among others. And Corey Clement is uh, also a name on their backfield. But they're bolstering some depth. Uh, It's unfortunate... Uh, I really like watching Barkley run, so hopefully he'll be ready to go very, very
1: soon. I'm with you, man, because that's a team that's got some uh, fun offensive pieces out there on offense, bringing in Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony via the draft this offseason. So we'll see. A lot of pressure on Daniel Jones to clean it up and clean the fumbles up, and I think obviously what would help him is getting one of the best young running backs in the league uh, healthy and ready to go in Saquon Barkley. That was today's NFL two-minute drill. We've reached the finish line. Big news, Ohio State football news coming at you today with Quinn Ewers. We will talk more about that throughout the week. Maddie, thanks for your time, brother. Enjoyed was it, pal. Fun. A lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Thanks. You got it, brother. CB, great job as always. Talk to you tomorrow. Common Man and T-Bone will take you at 6 o'clock, folks. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your day. Be safe out there. It's been Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan.